You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome to the Health Hub on Radio Maria Canada, exploring cutting-edge health and wellness information and therapies, helping you to take your health to the next level. I am your host, Kathy Biasse, and I'm a holistic nutritionist and a professional cancer coach. Cancer Revolution is a new docuseries coming to us in September 2023. It relates advances in cancer research from the 1920s to present as told by the original researchers, their biographers, and contemporaries. And the creators of Cancer Revolution are Maggie and Brad Jones. Maggie and Brad's life changed when the month she turned 40, Maggie was diagnosed with terminal cancer and received a prognosis of less than a year. She's been cancer-free for four years now and has dedicated her life to sharing the evidence-based treatments that so dramatically improved her survival and quality of life. Over the course of her healing, Maggie was fortunate to establish friendships with scientists and practitioners, changing the cancer paradigm, and has become a prominent voice in the metabolic cancer treatment community. Maggie and her filmmaker husband, Brad, are the force behind the award-winning docuseries featuring some of the leading scientists and practitioners on the metabolic theory of cancer and associated therapies. Maggie and Brad are wonderful, just right off the top. It's wonderful to listen to them. They are not preaching. They are bringing forth information. In the show, we talk about what the cancer revolution is about and how Maggie's cancer journey inspired this series, what the metabolic theory of cancer is, and how Maggie continues to used and continues to use metabolic therapies for her care. This is an inspiring show. I do hope that you can stay tuned with us. We will be back in just a few minutes to talk with Maggie and Brad Jones. You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. Today's show has been recorded. No opportunity for calling in. Please do follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at the Health Hub RMC on those locations. Maggie, Brad, welcome to the show. It's an honor to have you here. Kathy, thank you so much. We're so thrilled to be here. Yeah, thank you so much, Kathy. The two of you have made such inroads in a relatively short period of time. It's actually astounding to me. And the reason it is astounding to me is because I am sort of in this circle that you are in. Uh, We have interviewed some of the guests on the Cancer Revolution that we're going to talk about. And I just... I. 
I think we need to start off, Maggie, with your story, because I think that will really give people an understanding as to how the two of you have been able to curate, produce, and bring to people that need knowledge and understanding all that you've been able to do in such a short period of time. So Maggie, take the show. Wow. Thank you. (laughs) My story really began in 2018. Uh, Brad and I had moved from our home in Los Angeles to Hong Kong, um, kind of on a whim. It was one month before my 40th birthday, and it was the same month that I was diagnosed with terminal stage four lung cancer, which by then had spread to my brain, dozens of lymph nodes around my chest, neck, abdomen, my eyes, how it was finally diagnosed. And I was given about six to eight months to live. That's the uh, standard prognosis for lung cancer spread to the brain. And um, obviously I was surprised. It was non-smokers lung cancer. I felt like I was living a relatively healthy life. (laughs) I had a healthy food blog at the time, in fact, but I knew something had been wrong. I had felt it during the move from LA to Hong Kong, but there's too much to do. And there was so much stress that I, I just waved it away. But it was when I was finally going blind <laughs> in one eye that Bragg convinced me to go see an ophthalmologist. And this poor eye doctor was the one who had to tell me the next day that I was going to die of cancer at 40. Uh, and so Obviously, it had a happy ending. (laughs) By 2019, (laughs) I'd done all the research on the metabolic theory of cancer. I found a complete change in my lifestyle that I hadn't done to survive. I was expecting my cancer to be completely incurable, but I wanted to live in the meantime. And just that desire to improve my lifestyle and appreciate these last few months, I guess it, it helped contribute to my conventional medicine. And here I am. And Brad and I realized that this information has been peer-reviewed, published. It is known evidence-based scientific research that just hasn't made it out. And a big part of this is that there are studies it takes an average of 17 years for medical research to actually make it to a clinical mm-hmm. setting. And obviously, it's going to be faster for high-profit drugs like Viagra or Prozac, but something that is lifestyle-based that doesn't make any money for anybody. It's just a lot harder to get that information out without people paying for the marketing. Totally understandable. Nobody's the bad guy here. It's just the way that our system works. Yeah. And very fortunately, Brad is a editor and filmmaker and completely talented. And he had the idea after a couple of years after my healing. That- yeah. Actually, let me, before oh, you please. get to that, I was just gonna say, so Maggie had found all these amazing things and wanted to sort of share them with the world. She had a pretty, um, I wasn't say a heavily trafficked blog, a pretty, pretty good Instagram site, but she still, she tried to do some cancer coaching and that was becoming frustrating because she could only work with like, you know, one or two, well, I don't know, maybe four people at a time. But just the reach, you know, she was like, this just needs to be bigger. This needs to be more. So that's where I came in. Yeah. And even just the emotional toll that it took on me. You can imagine, Kathy, in the audience that having, you know, four people a day contact you saying, I'm dying of cancer. You did something. Please help me. It was more than I could handle. Mm-hmm. And uh, I still needed to focus on my continued healing. So here we have Brad, the hero, stepping in and... <laughs> This happened after I'd been contacted by a wonderful nutritionist in Scandinavia whose brother had been diagnosed with GBM, glioblastoma multiform, which is a devastating brain cancer. 
with about a year to live with standard of treatment with uh, chemotherapy and radiation. But she knew the power of some of these therapies from her training. But after her brother's doctor sent him home saying there's nothing more we can do, she desperately wanted him to start taking up some of these therapies that have been proven like a ketogenic diet, fasting, off-label drugs. But because his doctor didn't know about it, um, he told him it didn't matter. And this, her brother, Marius, ended up just wanting to eat pizza and beer and enjoy the life that he had left, which we have absolutely no judgment against. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, his life didn't last long. And we decided to dedicate this documentary to him and to all the people whose lives could be prolonged, whose journey could be less painful, and whose overall outcome could be improved just by knowing this information. And whether they choose to act on it or not, doesn't matter. It's their choice. But we just want them to know. It, there's always, you have to live, leave space. Uh, you know that I am a cancer coach myself, so I, I understand um, where you're coming from. You have to leave space for people's individuality. You have to leave space for people's mindset. Obviously, your mindset was one that pushed you into this direction. And I don't, you're unique, right? Um, because you turned it around so very quickly. What led you, there are so many different avenues to go down. Okay. You're diagnosed. First of all, you know, your, your brain is going in 9 million directions. You're thrown into the medical system. I can't believe you had enough time to stop, take a breath and do this. Okay. Um, what led you down the metabolic theory of cancer? First, Kathy, I cannot thank you enough for mentioning that. Yes, all people are unique and what works for some like me is not going to work for everyone. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that does work for everybody is believing and having hope. I think mm -hmm. that will improve your outcome, whether it's prolonged life or Absolutely. just better quality of life. Yep. Um, and so for me, the first avenue I did go down was, oh, well, I'm going to die. I just want to be a good patient. And I wanted to make Brad proud of me and my doctors proud of me. And thank God that lasted about five days. <laughs> and then I started reading and just reading things like, Radical Remission by Dr. Kelly Turner, and even really light things like Crazy Sexual Cancer by Kirtz Carr. But then I started reading more and more into PubMed and just some of these recent articles that have been published at the time they're recent and understanding that there's a lot of evidence about nutrition. And in my very personal case, I chose to follow a plant-based ketogenic diet. I was born and raised vegetarian. I know from my genetics that, you know, a lot of meat is not good for me personally, but I've also talked to people who've had wonderful success with carnival or with a more uh, paleo meat-based diet. But I knew that for me, the biggest thing is controlling my sugar intake, controlling the quality of food that I consume. And then I mean, personally fasting, it's just been incredible for me. And once I experienced the results, I knew I couldn't go back, whether it was going to cure me or not, which of course, no diet is going to cure cancer. Um, and the example I'd love to give is I've had two rounds of brain radiation, one for the first two tumors in you know, November, 2018, and another one, same possible for two different tumors in yeah, April of 2019. Yeah. And my gosh, same possible, same radiation technician. The first one, I was vomiting, sweating on the couch for three weeks. I couldn't go into work. It was just dreadful. The second one, I fasted for three days in advance and I ended up walking home from the hospital that Friday night and going to work on Monday. And that was the difference that I had is maybe I'd had a couple of months of eating a better diet in advance, mm -hmm. maybe a better mindset, 
But fasting, I learned, is just something that makes me feel so good. Uh-huh. And I know it's not that way for everybody, but it's something that Brad's joined me in and that yeah. we will never stop. <laughs> Mondays are fasting day and we're recording this on a Monday and we feel uh, great. Just, kind of, <laughs> just a little, uh, you know, relatable fact is that there's a, a since you can fast and it, you know, improves your, um, your radiation, one of the first set of doctors that's starting to sort of jump on board ketogenic diets and fasting are radiologists because it's improving uh-huh. their, it's noticeably improving their outcomes more than, more than other doctors. So they're sort of the, uh, the sort of the first adopters at this point. It's just kind of interesting. It, it's, I, it is funny. I, I agree with you there because, you know, a lot of people don't know what they don't know. So if they've been able to um, align themselves with somebody in this space, then this information may be disseminated to them. And again, we're back to individuals. And so there are some people who absolutely cannot fast um, before. There are situations, there are health spectrums where people cannot fast. But this one particular thing, and we're going to talk about other things too, but just to to ring the same bell you're ringing, this one particular um, modality, the fasting before, um, people who have never been through treatment, come out of treatment saying, um, uh, you know, I didn't like it. It wasn't too bad. And then you see the other people who have not gone down a, a type of integrative path. I experience this personally. And it is, you know, when you can find the practitioner, when you can find the therapy, which is what you guys are spreading the news about, it can be so altering and you don't know what you don't know. And so when you can, but you knew because you had the one type and then you introduced the therapy. So it's just such a big bravo to you for bringing all of this stuff to the forefront, because you're right. I deal with one or two people a day and I only get out that far. And it's, it's so important that people, and I always say, ask the questions, just ask the questions. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, where did you sort of begin in contact, like not everybody's friends with all their doctors, but where did you kind of go to the next level in contacting these people? And why did they say yes to you guys? Yes, uh, I'll start this and maybe Brad can sure. fill in. I'm aggressive. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. I had less than a year and my previous life was in journalism, media. I was a media executive. And so I was a little bit used to just reaching out and seeing what happens. And in that first year of my diagnosis, we went to conferences. Um, For those who don't know my background, I was deeply into allopathic medicine. I completely rejected anything that doctors hadn't told me, but it was just the fact that I was reading all of this in medical journals. And I realized they're not telling me because they don't know. It's not some conspiracy. It's just not Mm -hmm. out there. That's that's absolutely right. (laughs) So we went to these uh, conferences, medical conferences where people were talking about it. It's new research. And we're able to meet a couple of incredible leaders in the field And that was my first year. And when I was still alive, unexpectedly after that year, I continued to email saying, you know, just thank you. First of all, I don't expect to live forever, but I love this quality of life I have right now. And then conference after conference, take it from there with our first two. Well, I mean, so um, one of the, a couple of the people that we met early on were Travis Christofferson. Um, He was part of a, a, a group that was a care oncology um, and so we met him and, and Dr. Chuck Meekin, that was uh, Maggie's sort of remote oncologist. And then uh, through them, through, through Travis, we met Dr. Seyfried. And so when this idea of doing a documentary to sort of simply, you know, relate the things that Maggie did or the theory behind it, 
um, we were like, well, hey, if we can get Travis and hopefully Seyfried on board, then we we felt like we had a real shot. It would be worth making, right? If they shut us down, we were, I'm not sure if we would have continued much beyond that. Um, But to um, our pleasant surprise, Travis said yes right away. Um, he, you know, put in a good call to, to Dr. Seyfried for us. And then we were kind of off and running once we had the two of them, those two great trusted names. Um, we were very lucky to get, um, everyone else on board, Dr. Jason Fung, Nisha Winters, a a slew of other people. We, I mean, and we even roped in for the other side, we roped in Dr. Robert Weinberg, uh, to help tell the, you know, the, um, the genetic theory of cancer. So, um, it just kind of snowballed. Yeah. And for listeners, Dr. Weinberg was uh, one of the pioneers in the somatic mutation or genetic theory of cancer. And he wrote the most widely cited article, uh, The Hallmarks of Cancer, which you may Mm -hmm. have read about. And the incredible thing is from some of the other scientists that we've talked to, we're seeing that the genetic theory doesn't completely explain all the hallmarks and that instead the metabolic theory, which we don't know is right, but it happens to explain a lot of these hallmarks. And just to emphasize that the genetic theory is just a theory, just like the metabolic theory is the atavistic. There are so many. And the real message, I think, of our series is that we don't know anything. Science has to continue (laughs) to evolve. And anybody who thinks that our research into cancer in the last 60 years has been done, that it's over, that's just a mistake. And uh, whatever the treatments that arise out of this are, cancer evolves and cancer research must evolve. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think what you're setting the stage again is once you empower people with knowledge, they can go down whatever path they want to go down. They can figure out yeah. what resonates, but empowering people with knowledge yes. offers them the opportunity for hope. And to me, it's that marriage of the two that can move people beyond the designation, yeah. the diagnosis, the terminal al- terminality of it, and the definitive end lines. Um, I I just want to say you, you have nailed it. That is exactly what we're trying to do. We are not trying to like preach any kind of, you know, particular viewpoint. We are just trying to say, Hey, here's some information. It might be helpful to you. And it is. And that's what people are looking for. You know, the whole, we can talk about how we can go in so many directions, but the whole idea of an integrative approach to health is to give people their space, to give people the opportunity to talk, to give people the opportunity to engage with their practitioners, to try and expand their knowledge. And to me, if you offer people hope, you are offering them a first line treatment in any disease that they have. I I, I just yeah. like, I can't, I can't get over like there are lots of docu-series out there. There are, and some I align with and some I don't. And the reason, most I don't, I have to say, I do have to say most I don't because I work with people. There there is. And I work with people that are going through the allopathic space. Like you, you don't want to be told that chemotherapy is going to kill you. You don't (laughs) want to be told that you want to be told that along with my standard care of treatment that I've chosen, how can I help? How can I create health? And this is what you're doing. And this is why I've never had a docu-series producer and, and, and you know, producers on the show for this specific reason, because I, I stay away from the fear. I try yes. not to create more fear, <clears throat> even with nutrition. I'm sure you have to, you have to take little steps. You don't walk in and saying everything you're doing is wrong. Wipe your cupboards out and we got to fill them with tofu and green leafy vegetables, right? It's like, <laughs> 
you know what? Try this. See how it resonates. Stage one of treatment may not be working for you with this. Try this. I just, I think it's wonderful. Um, what I want, want to do is take a break now. We're a little bit short in the first half because what I want to ask you is it might take a lot of time here. So I don't want to get it. What I, we'll lay the stage here is I want to talk about what the metabolic theory of cancer is, you know, just general outlines mm-hmm. of the metabolic theory of cancer. And then what some of the struggles you may have had um, in producing the the documentary. And of course, we're going to get into all the timelines and everything. So everyone will be back in just a couple of minutes to continue our great, great conversation here with Maggie and Brad. You are listening to The Health Hub here on Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, email thh at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We are speaking with Maggie and Brad Jones. They are the creators of Cancer Revolution. We're going to get really knee-deep, maybe shoulder-deep, hopefully, into this docu-series. Um, and as I said to you guys, I don't, you know, I, I am very, very particular with who I align with. So um, very, very pleased and honored to have you guys on the show. I think before we start actually talking about the docuseries and all the guests that you have, maybe it's time to understand the metabolic theory of cancer. You certainly don't have to do a textbook edition, but just the, you know, just so people understand where, where this is coming from. Sure. Um, I'll take this one. Is that cool? Yeah. Um, the, the metabolic theory of cancer is basically this idea that cancer cells to to, to make energy, they stop using respiration, which is a very highly efficient way of generating energy in the mitochondria. And they instead use glycolysis, which is fermentation uh, in the cytoplasm of the cell. And what that does is to do or to do this, they need lots of glucose, lots of sugar. So, and this is prevalent in like 70 to 90% of cancers. And it's actually highly prevalent, like 90% in late stage cancers. So the more and more malignant a cancer gets, the more it exhibits this, uh, um, this, this type of, uh, energy creation and it's called the Warburg effect. Um, and so that if you hear Otto Warburg or you hear about the scientist at all um, who won a Nobel Prize for some other work that he did um, in the 30s, um, that's where that comes from. And so the idea when you sort of stretch that out into a therapy is that, well, if you can reduce the amount of glucose that you have in your system, you can kind of, and I'm doing quotation marks here with my fingers, <laughs> you can kind of starve the cancer. Um, that's a little bit of a misnomer because you can never completely eliminate the amount of glucose you have in your body. Your body can, your liver can actually even make more glucose. So, it, you know, it's it, people, when they say starve cancer, what they're talking about is just reducing the amount of glucose they have in their system. And a lot, one of the things that people don't know is that we are actually kind of like a hybrid vehicle. Uh, we can use either glucose or, you know, like those back as a fuel, or we can use ketones. And so what happens is if you go on a, like a, a low carb carb restrictive diet, and you're taking in maybe more fat and protein, your body will produce more ketones than sugar molecules. 
And what ends up happening is that your regular cells can use these ketones for fuel, no problem. They can switch over very easily. Um, but your cancer cells can't. Your cancer cells can only use fermentable fuels, um, which would be yeah, glucose. And there's another one called glutamine that is a pretty heavy one. Um, that one's a little bit harder to, to restrict, but uh, that's a, getting, we're getting a little technical here. But um, there's this idea that you can actually make a difference um, in what's going on. And I just want to say, like, you don't have to believe in the metabolic theory to practice this sort of uh, ketogenic carb restrictive diet and see, you know, hopefully see some outcomes. But um, so, yeah, that's kind of the main uh, thrust of the metabolic theory of cancer. And I would just note too, that the three different therapies that we talk about two are ketogenic dietary therapies, like a therapeutic ketogenic diet, which is not the same as the eat all the bacon and cheese you want dietary weight loss mm -hmm. fat mm -hmm. diet. Um, it's something that has been proven and it's already used as a standard of care for pediatric epilepsy. So we know it's safe and effective there. Um, there's fasting, which is of course ketogenic. You're not taking in any sugars if you're water fasting. And there's also uh, off-label drugs and supplements, which can also interfere with this unique deranged metabolism of cancer cells. Yeah. Um, there are others that we just don't have time to talk about in this season, but perhaps in the future, because this area is growing so quickly. Mm -hmm. Now, what I want to ask, um, but because it sort of sets a framework for the next part, this isn't a docu-series on how to cure cancer, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. No, no. I think that's um, an important thing to state. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean... <laughs> Who knows? In the future, maybe it will have been, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. But the yeah. intent is but not that is to not say the that. intent. No, it is not. No, basically, uh, what's going on in the scientific community right now is the the genetic theory of cancer, the idea that there's damage to your genes and they just sort of randomly mutate, and that's how we get cancer. This is a theory. It has been a theory for a long time. But what's happening is that if you go to medical school and you study cancer, this is taught as fact. Uh, we talked to, to so many scientists and they're just like, it, unless you seek out this sort of metabolic theory of cancer, these metabolic ideas, you're not going to ever know about them. So most oncologists, it's very hard to talk to them about anything metabolic because they have only learned the genetic side, even though it's just a theory. And so all we're trying to say is in the documentary is just, hey, there's another way of looking at cancer. The way that most people are looking at cancer is not proven. We're not having the best outcomes trying to make drugs following this genetic pathway of cancer. And we are starting to have a little bit of success if we look at trying to do things following the metabolic pathway. So it's just worthy of more inspection, closer inspection. And Kathy, you brought up the best point before the break that, I'm sorry, I also have some brain damage. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, It's not sadness. It's not without hope. And we decided from the very beginning of producing this, that we didn't want to fill it with a bunch of sad cancer patients because everyone knows that cancer is mm -hmm. sad and tragic. What we want to do is take it away from this idea that it's all in your genes. It's predestined. You have no control or options and show people that there is hope and that there are these modalities that give you hope, like exercise, stress reduction, meditation, yoga, diet, like these things can improve your outcomes. It's not a cure, but it can help. 
profound. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong, and this may be extremely naive of me, but I like to go down this pathway all the time. Um, cancer's disease, you know, heart, there be heart disease, there can be diabetes. And why can't we manage our disease? Yeah. You know, I, I, it's a chronic disease. Yeah. We, I love we, it. we say this all the time to, to cancer patients that we bump into, which is just, please don't think of it as like you, you're cured. What, no matter how that mm-hmm. happens to you, uh, yeah. you know, like you're basically so prone to remission, someone who has cancer, you know, you have to really stay on top of or it relax. Yeah. or yes, yeah. relapse. I'm sorry. Um, thank you. And it's true. I mean, you have to be involved and in the game all the time. Yeah. Um, and I, I just, there's just so many, many positive things with this. Did you have any issues, any hiccups along the way when you were making this documentary or was it smooth sailing? Okay. I would just say it, it definitely took longer than we expected only because we are so naive. I mean, who <laughs> thinks that they can create a, well, it was a documentary at the beginning, And I guess the first big hiccup was realizing we had too much information for a 90 minute documentary. And after showing it to an incredible panel of practitioners and cancer researchers, they all agreed that we can't cut anything out. And so we decided to turn it into the series. I'd say that's really our only setback is just, yeah, like the, um, I don't know, the, the tools that we have, right? Like we time, money, you know, people, right? That's, you gotta work with what you have. And yeah, uh, that that one screening where, you know, we were like, so what do you guys think? Can we just like sort of take this and scrunch it down into 90 minutes? And everybody was like, no, are you crazy? Like, yeah, like <laughs> put in more. <laughs> yeah. On the marital night, I would get very frustrated that we weren't done yet. But then Brad points out, if we knew how hard this would have been at the beginning, we never would have started. And so I'm really glad that we had that optimism and naivete that yeah. and, encouraged and then- us to start. To help sort of combat this, what we decided to do was, I mean, obviously the way that most series are released is that they're all done every episode. And then, you know, you, then you release these series as a, as a whole. And what we've done is we're like, Hey, we know we're going slow and we're sorry about it, but we do have limited resources. But what we'll do is we'll just finish one episode at a time and we'll let that be out there as soon as we can. So that, you know, at least you can be watching you know, it might be mm-hmm. months before the next episode comes out, but at least you can be watching something. So. How is the whole series? You know, obviously we all haven't seen it, but you must have, you've mentioned, you've screened it. How has it been received? So I think there's two different camps and the majority have been, no, three. <laughs> the doctors, scientists, our community, who's already aware of this, that we show it to at conferences. Um, they're just incredibly supportive and encouraging there is a, then the people who've never been exposed to it that we've shown are just shocked, shocked that they'd never heard of this theory and these therapies and that your diet and lifestyle can make a difference in your cancer. And finally, there's a very small contingents that we've recently encountered who are maybe less, they're just like us are trying to protect people, but they're the ones who think that our cancer knowledge is done. And if you don't follow only the standard of care that's been determined already. There's nothing else out there for you. And so I think they're going to be the most difficult to challenge to say, no, our Mm -hmm. cancer knowledge is evolving. And there are these other therapies. But you're not asking people to eliminate medical care. Exactly. Follow your standard of care. But these therapies, 
for most people can use them. And to your point, not everybody can use everything, but they've been proven safe and effective and they're not going to hurt you for the most, you know, unless your doctor informs you that yeah. there's something you can't follow. I mean, and I would say full disclo- full disclosure here, there are, we do talk to a couple of people who did forego standard of care to use only metabolic uh, ketogenic diets and fasting. Um, but I mean, we may, we say straight up, you know, front, like, Hey, this was these people's choices. They did this, you know, of their own accord. And we don't try and say that this is what anyone should do. This is just how these people um, decided to approach their cancer. And And the reason is number one, they were all terminal and they had, well, Pablo Kelly had was estimated to have 12 to 15 weeks, months of life. If he followed standard of care versus six to nine, if he didn't, so he told not to, um, and yeah. these are the people who've actually been published as case studies in medical journals. And so they're the first that we encountered yeah. and knew about. And then from there, the majority have used standard of care like me. Yeah, exactly. Just to, just to sort of, you know, throw that out there. There are a few people that we talked to that, you know, have not continued with the standard of care. Hey, you know what? That's their choice. Exactly. Uh, this is all about choice. This is all about broadening. This isn't about narrowing. Um, and yeah. who knows? I mean, the whole uh, 10 years down the road, it could be a mix between a metabolic and genetic theory. It could be a conglomerate, you know, it could yes. be, you don't know. Yes. So yeah. you, you want to offer people, there's no point in holding back the information. And if people are without hope, if they've yeah. been told that they only have a short time to live, there's no issue with offering different ways to talk about things and different talking yes. points with people. Um, the idea is to find a good person that you can trust and that's working for your your better health. Um, totally who are the happy, guests, who it. are the guests yeah. on your show? Can you, can reveal some of the, the names that you will be, um, that we will be seeing? Sure. Um, I'll tell you, I'll give you about half and then I'll let Maui give you the other half. We've got, um, Sam Apple who wrote a book on Otto Warburg, uh, Travis Christofferson, who sort of, I would say wrote a sort of a, a layman's, uh, investigative journalist look at, um, Dr. Thomas Seyfried's book. Uh, Dr. Thomas Seyfried, <laughs> um, uh, Jason Fung, uh, Miriam Kalamian, a fantastic dietitian. Uh, you would go from there. Jess Kelly, who wrote the metabolic approach to cancer, along with Dr. Nasrab Winters, Dr. Walter Longo, who's been one of the leaders in fasting for cancer for the last couple of decades out of USC, Dr. Charles Meekin, an oncologist, Dr. Angela Poff, who worked in Tom Seyfried's lab, Adrian Sheck, a brilliant brain uh, cancer researcher. We added an MD PhD from Dr. Seyfried's lab, Tomas Duraj. And Paul Davies is an incredible physicist who's actually worked, done a lot of work under the um, National Cancer Institute to help develop an outsider's perspective of cancer. And he is one of the originators of the atavistic model, which is also different from the metabolic, but just shows how many different ways and new ways there are to look at cancer. Yeah. You know, maybe it is going to be an approach from different methods for different people. I mean, we have to be open to that. Exactly. Yeah. One of the fun things that that Maggie sort of mentioned was just this idea that it's people with these sort of late stage cancers that kind of have nothing to lose where their, their doctors are telling them, Hey, all you've got is palliative care. Mm -hmm. And you know, they just say, well, I'm just going to do something different. And I mean, these are just examples that are, you know, it's not saying that this is the way what everyone should do, of course, but I mean, that there's people having amazing outcomes. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, we're just saying, Hey, you know, this, this is happening 
and so we just need to look closer at what these people are doing. Leave yourself open to these these uh, opportunities. So let's get into the meat and potatoes. Um, yeah. How many episodes? Do you call them episodes or how many? Yes. Yeah. We're uh, so it's a, a docu series. We're doing. Uh, we were going to try and do five episodes. We decided to lengthen it to four, just for you know, make it shorter, get it out there quicker. About um, how long are they each? Each one is about an hour long. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, each of the first three sort of focuses uh, mainly on a scientist. So the first episode is mostly on Otto Warburg. Uh, the second episode focuses heavily on the work of um, uh, Peter Peterson. And then the third episode focuses a lot on the work of Dr. Thomas Seyfried. And then the fourth is a big focus on now these treatments are coming out and talking to the practitioners, the oncologists, dietitians, and so forth, and some of the thrivers who have been using these. And that one is very inspiring too. And when is the docuseries going to be released? Well, the world premiere, which will absolutely include episode one and an early version of episode two, is in September of 2023. And we're doing this, I'm so excited, uh, simultaneous with an online summit. And this includes over three dozen incredible practitioners and leaders in the field of um, cancer treatments that are lifestyle, nutritional, and metabolic because in the documentary, we're really able to focus on the science that's been established, having the scientists tell us, but this research moves so quickly. We mm-hmm. want to have something a little bit faster where we can have the more qualified practitioners uh, speaking directly to our audience. And so these will be together. I think of it as the docuseries is the why and the mechanics, the science behind it. And the summit is the how, how do you implement these therapies? Because it's, as you say, it's different for everybody. Yeah. And, and one of the reasons that this also came about is because we had this format where, you know, we have to sort of explain the metabolic theory to people before we can tell you about how it can impact people that are dealing with cancer. And so just by the nature of the layout of the structure of the docuseries, the, it was going to be the final episode that talked about treatments. And of course, <laughs> that's the most important thing to a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, they want the treatments. So we were like, we're like, wow, it's going to, you know, it's going to be a while before that final episode gets out. And so this was sort of a, a, a an alternative way to get that information out there a little bit quicker. And so- which I was just going to say that none of the information that's in our documentary is new, right? It mm-hmm. is all out it's there. It's curated. Are, yeah. These are all books that you can go and find, websites that you can look at, research that you can do. Um, please don't think that you have to wait for some sort of special information, some secret that's in our documentary. This stuff is all out there. What Maggie's um, blog, cancerv.me, is a great place to sort of find some of these resources. Um, but uh, yeah, I know that a lot of people, um, well, some people are a little frustrated that you know we are we, that that's not out there yet. We're working on it, and then this summit is a sort of a way to uh, circumvent that a little bit. And so, so just, oh, you go ahead. Sorry. Oh, to differentiate the uh, series itself is going to be available on a donation basis. And you can get information on this on our website, cancerrevolution.film or, um, and yeah, so it's donation based. It'll help fund the upcoming episodes. We want to make sure that everybody who gives to this point still gets access to the upcoming episodes. 
The summit, on the other hand, does have a cost associated with it because we have to cover the platforms and all of that. And you can get more information on that and all the attendees at cancerrevolution.events. And Cancer Revolution is built, spelt with one R because it's also Cancer Evolution. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. Okay, so just to clarify, because other docuseries, they release everything, you buy it, it's yours for life. Is that sort of how this is going to be laid out or are we buying that episode about episode per episode uh, so for for now uh we're just you just get episode one as a rental basically Um, and then at some point all episodes will be released and it'll be sort of a more traditional you know you can go to amazon and get all four episodes um you know uh, to to purchase or to or to rent however you you know however you want to do it Uh, but yeah for the time being just as we're releasing episode by episode um, it's it just because of the logistics of it, uh, you, you're just going to have to rent each episode. And again, this is on a donation basis. We know how expensive cancer is, <laughs> and so we want to make sure everybody has access to this. Yeah, and you're we have started a foundation, the Revolution Foundation, and so the money that you're donating is literally going to fund future episodes. Um, where you know we're we're currently you know sort of taking in about what's going out so we're sort of staying even breaking even right now so that's working out great but um just yeah it's we're not we're not in this to make money we're not trying to make a documentary and and sell it and then you know retire that's not our that's not our goal okay and so september yes september again cancerrevolution.events oh wonderful i really want to thank you so much for being on the show it's so nice to have um such a genuine couple genuine people <laughs> that are moving in a space that is you know it's a it's a hard space to be in so i really wish you the best with everything um everybody i hope that you take you know if you haven't had cancer um it doesn't mean you can't be involved in watching this because as my very wise husband said you know i've had cancer and i'm afraid of it recurring and the rest of us are afraid of getting it in the first <laughs> place so yeah. prevention is you know, as a part of every health plan as it can be. So uh, everybody, I think it's it's such a wise idea to, um, you know, knowledge-based broadening is 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 wonderful. So thank you yeah. very much, everybody. Um, all the details of this will be in the show notes. So you'll be able to um, reach out to me if you need anything or reach out to them. So again, thank you, Maggie and Brad, so much for being with us. Absolute pleasure. Kathy, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you so much, Kathy. Everybody, we will talk to you next week on The Health Hub. Listening to The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.